welcome to episode 45 of Expertise is Overrated, the podcast that takes the time to answer the questions you didn't know you didn't want the answer to. I'm Sean. And I'm Vib, and neither of us has any clue what we're talking about. Uh, this is going to be exemplified right now in that we have a potential tinfoil for last week, um, but we've got rid of the blurb that explains what tinfoil is. So welcome to Expertise is Overrated. We genuinely don't know what we're talking about. You, you um, could have talked your way through that. You realise this, right? You could have not admitted our failing. And see, just... but this is this is this exemplifies our dynamic. I'm the honest one, um, and you're not. So <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> so um, no, the, the, the much vaunted expertise is over at a tinfoil award is one that we give out to the person who had the most stupid thing to say in last fortnight's episode. That, that's yeah. Kind of caught myself in there, our most I? recent episode. In our most recent episode, there you go. Um, I'm the eloquent one. I may not be oh, honest, but at least I can fucking talk. Shit ball. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have two options today. Which, which, so, so as you'll no doubt know, because you obviously listen to our episodes religiously, we sort of got rid of doing this every every episode. Yes, because um, we were starting to be too sensible. But I think this time we genuinely have said some potentially outrageous things. Um, you you said something that's, that I, in the moment, took great exception to. But it's festered in the back of my mind. Oh, this is good. I've got to him, folks. Yeah, so apparent, apparently all games are RPGs. All video games are RPGs. All video games are RPGs, that is correct. And but I fully accept that that's, that's a, a shiny hat kind it's, of statement. It's definitely shiny hat worthy. But... But it's a shiny hat that might actually protect me from the aliens, right? Yeah, I think there might actually be aliens. I think that might be the issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, me asserting that all video games are RPGs is, is, um, is up there. So that's one option. The other one is you, um, because obviously it's you. It's usually, Always. Um, and this was you sort of making a case for, I believe, was it Slytherin? I, th- I believe it was Slytherin. Slytherin I think it was House, very, yeah. I was very eloquently and piece by piece taking apart J.K. Rowling's characterization of Slytherin House as inherently, objectively, and totally evil. Yeah, and then you caught yourself, which, which okay. I think makes this potentially tinfoil worthy. You, you caught yourself... Um, I saw it coming. A massive pro Stannis case, pro Stannis Baratheon. Yeah, a man whom you've wrongfully, I might add, um, been trying to uh, undermine, and you know. Well, I uh, the the issue here is that I have, I think, for about six years now, been characterising to anyone who will listen, which is a rapidly dwindling circle of people who can't walk fast enough to get away from me. Yeah, I mean, uh, I do this so you don't have to, everyone. This, this is what we do here. I've been characterising Stannis Baratheon as an incel, uh, which is a viewpoint that isn't shared by many people in the Assault of Ice and Fire fandom. But I think it fits, personally. But yeah, I, I, I then quoted him, essentially, while defending Slytherin House. So really, I don't know who I am or what I'm doing anymore. Yeah, it's great. So, um, ultimately, you decide. Is it me for asserting that all video games are RPGs, or is it Sean for essentially not heeding his own, I don't know, advice? That's not really the right word, is it? That was so close to good. <laughs> no, I know, right? 
Well, you know. Let us, let us know. We're not let thinking about professional. Because the other thing we hadn't considered is that given that we we now record up to three episodes ahead of time, um, your feedback probably won't make it in until about four episodes from now. So, great. <laughs> yeah. It would be really interesting to pick people in a month's time, more than a month's time. But never mind. Do let us know which of, which of those two things you find the more egregious statement. Uh, yeah. And Tweet why. us or, you know, come on Discord, which is a lot more active now. Um, it's popping. Which has got something to do with you writing an article that is now superfluous. So that was really great. funny. That was really, <laughs> really funny. We were going to do an episode about that and everything. and we, we were, yeah. But instead, you could say that because you published said article, then... A multi-million company, a multi-million dollar company has now decided to retract their... Yeah, everyone is welcome, by the way. Exactly. Everyone who plays any kind of tabletop RPG and try to, I don't know, spin something out of that. Um, I, I single-handedly saved tabletop role-playing games by writing an article for a blog. You did indeed, um, and I can't really argue with that. That's brilliant. It's just provable. Provably true. It's but true. anyway... <laughs> There'll be a Wikipedia page on this for sure at some point. Oh, you know what? I think there should be. I'm, not, I'm just, just going to write that down. <laughs> oh, good. Um, let's move on. Let's, let's rapidly move on because this is rapidly. getting wildly out of hand and we haven't even started. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about Warhammer 40k. Oh, how exciting. Specifically, this is the fact that we're all expecting the 10th edition of Warhammer 40k uh, to drop sometime this summer, I think. Is yeah, that right? I mean, so, so can we just let that sink in for a bit? Like, 10th edition of this tabletop yeah, that's, RPG, because that's, that's ultimately what Warhammer 40k is. To compare, Dungeons & Dragons is on its 5th edition, and yeah. the playtest, playtesting what is going to be its 6th edition, even though they're not calling it 6e. Uh, well, when, when, when did first edition come out for for D and D? D yeah. Do you know? Seventies. One sec. The reason I'm trying to make that point is, uh, yeah, seventies maybe is about right for war. No, war is not as old as that. I don't think. Um, the, the thing I take slight issue with is that ninth edition of 40k, which is the current edition, came out in July 2020. And a mere two and a half years later, we're already talking about releasing 10th edition. So I feel I feel like going through the motions a bit quick. So the very, very original Dungeons & Dragons was 1974. Wow, okay. So that's... That's old, yeah. And since then, there's only been five iterations of that. Nearly well, 50 years. Not including the sort of half. Five and a, five and a half, yeah. really. But I, the, the iterations of Dungeons & Dragons are really confusing. Because there's like four versions of the basic rules before they get to second. It doesn't really matter. No, but so Warhammer 40k, the tenth edition is coming out only yes. two and a half years later. Well, so this is one thing we don't actually know when it's coming, but but all the suspicions are it's this summer. The rumor mill is this summer, which I think would put it on a three yearly release. Yeah, which is kind of crazy because they obviously released the new rule sets, and then they have yeah. to release all the new um, codexes. Codices, depending on who you ask. But we, uh, we've had all the codices now, haven't we? Yeah, and that's the thing. So if if you buy that last one that's released, 
and then they update the rules. That's just kind of shitty. So usually, I think the way it's usually done is that the the game doesn't change so materially between editions, although I think there is an expectation that it will simplify and streamline quite significantly in 10e, because 9th edition is just wildly complex. But 9th edition codexes will remain playable until the 10th edition codex is released, I think. But it'll be behind yeah, the I'm, sure that, I'm sure it's easily implementable. And they do that sort of thing because... Uh, what's it called? Arcs of Omen or whatever it is. That sort of. I don't remember what you call them. Like it's a campaign. Add-ons. Yeah, they're like campaigns, right? But they they kind of change the rules for all the factions. For that as well, which they kind of just push in these official updates. Yeah. Um, but given that a lot of people own you know hard copies of their of their codex, it, it's still a little bit shit. <laughs> I don't it's know. Re- it's, it's really it's irritating. It's really irritating. I I will now own. Two copies of the Blood Angels Codex that's out of date. Yeah, and given that these are not, you know, inexpensive items that you no, buy, they're not, keep they're buying, not cheap. Every time like, you buy them, what what, what, happened to, what happened to the Warhammer app in which you could digitally sort of get your your codex, access to your codex? Do you think they would just update that for tenth edition? No, because they can charge you for it. Yeah, I know. So, come on, GW. I was there's there's you wonder why things like Wahapedia and Battlescribe are so popular. These are free yeah. apps and websites that basically give you all the rules. This is why. Yeah. Also because they're hosted in, you know, Russia. Also, also because because they're hosted in, in, in Russia and so getting them taken down is very difficult. But, but the reason people use them is because Games Workshop make it so difficult to keep up with the rules. Yeah, and the rules yeah. are constantly shifting. And if you were to try and have a, if you're a tournament player and you want a copy of the codex for every faction in the game, so you know what you're up against, that's hundreds of pounds every three yeah. years. Plus, yeah, all you, the, you need the new core rules. You need yeah. you need the new co- uh, codex for all the armies you play. It's just yeah, it's, it's never ending. I mean, there's a reason why GW is a wildly successful company, I suppose. Um, yes, true. And let's and let's not talk about. Uh, Warhammer Plus and the various IP things that GW have done in recent years. No, and also let's not talk about the fact that I'm fairly sure there's just heroin in the plastic that they sell you. There is definitely some highly illegal addictive substance in those models, yes. (laughs) It's the only possible answer. (laughs) But anyway... <laughs> but anyway, it's bad, get... isn't it? I'd love to do. I'd love to sort of know the global stats of GW models bought, GW models yes. assembled, and yes. GW models painted. <laughs> and I think the last one is is a very small fraction of the of the first. I think that's absolutely true. Certainly, I'm my pile of shame is anything to go by. I'm looking at a, a box of unassembled space marines as we speak. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's bad. Sometimes when I when I go home, home um, and I look through my old collection, I think this is now decades old and still not painted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's no point doing it now because you know what, why would you paint a firstborn dark angel when you could be buying a Primaris? You know, well, because you don't get Primaris type terminators. Anyway, we're we're jumping around and just just chatting. We wanted to specifically talk about. Um, the assumption amongst the community, and I think it is at this point just an assumption, although a pretty well-founded one, that 
we're going to get another Primarch for the Imperium. Yes. So Primarchs, do you, do you want to do the honors? I mean, we've talked about Primarchs before. But I was about to ask you that. But yeah, happy to. So, so the, the Primarchs are essentially mythical figures from the history of Warhammer 40k from 10,000 years prior to the now current setting. Uh, they were 20 genetically built from scratch, superhuman pseudo-demigods who led the armies of the Imperium on a great crusade across the stars to rejoin the scattered worlds of humanity. Oh, by the gods. You, you've drunk the Kool-Aid, haven't you? That's, I, They're I'm at not... best, well, certainly in 30k, at best, um, sort of in... in... They're like fourth in the hierarchy of power in the Imperium, I would say. Behind who? Well, obviously, Jane Space. Yeah, behind Jane Space, the uh, Emperor. Then you obviously have Malkador. This is why I have to say 30k, because he's now dead, unfortunately. But Malkador, Malkador is very dead. Uh, and then any custodies, because A, they're custodies, and B, Henry Cavill collects them, so obviously. Uh, B... Everyone needs to be less fond of Henry Cavill. It's tragic. Absolutely not. I have a, I have a weird. Ha- I like Henry Cavill. Everything he's <laughs> been in, he's very good. He's, an, he's clearly a very nice chap. You're building uh, up to one big tinfoil hat here. Let me and just, the, let me the way that the community has grasped onto him as, look, Henry Cavill does this, so it's okay, is so tragic. No, it's not. So it's okay. It makes it awesome. I just, it, he's just a nerd done good. Sorry, guys. He's, he okay, doesn't... You're, pre- you're focusing on the wrong end of my point, is that Custodius still yeah. kick any Primarch's ass, regardless I, I, of Henry Cavill's that's, involvement. That's clearly not true from any of the Horus Heresy books. Constantine Valdor, the Captain General of the, uh, the, the Custodius Legion, can't beat Omegon or Alpharius, I can't remember... The weakest yeah, I mean, yeah, in, in like a one-off, it's the same as, as that thing you keep uh, bringing up. You know that in like a one-on fight, it's a coin flip, and it's, you, no, you I think of the strongest Primarch of them all as well to compare this to. Alpharius. <laughs> I'm not having this. I'm I'm absolutely not having this. Okay, fine. So, and also, I'm fairly sure Magnus in one of the Siege of Terror books, kills Malkador, so I'm not having Malkador yeah, either. We can't, we, can't take, we can't take right Black Library, really, as any point of reference here. It's the only point of it's, reference it's we have. the unreliable narrator taken to the max. It's like, Primarchs are great! You, you talk about people looking at Henry Cavill being like, oh, they make this okay. You're, you're, you're drinking all the bloody pro-Primarch Kool-Aid bullshit. I don't think... You don't remind that. you that virtually all of them are, are gone. <laughs> this is an accurate statement. Anyway, uh, our disagreement on their relative merits notwithstanding, the expectation is that one for the Imperium is going to come back in 10th edition. So we thought that it would make sense before 10th edition releases to get our prediction out so that when we're inevitably proven correct, we get to feel smug. Um, not, Not that we over in a shortage of feeling smug. but No, it's true. But yes, I mean, I, I think that's right. So yeah, Primarchs are, are sort of... Well, they're, they're ultimately the leaders of, of the Space Marine, yes. space marine Legions, uh, although they're not really Legions anymore. But yeah, they're big 
powerful beings and of course they're named which in a setting like 40k is always important because you need some named characters to actually you know field and do something with yes um yeah and of course with ninth edition uh we get we got to see one primark come back right uh yeah we did uh actually we should we should um sort of caveat that by saying one loyalist primark yes that's absolutely true. So Chaos have always been able to uh, field four of their, or not field, in the lore, field four of theirs because when they turned to Chaos, they became demons, and so everything is, like, great. It's Basically. odd, isn't it? Because I feel the rule sets for those, well, there's only two right now, I think, who've been released. Three. Is, is um well, Angron, well. Angron is is basic. I don't think he's actually out, but he's basically out. Yeah, uh, and then Mortarion and Magnus. Yeah, yeah, and Mortarion has long been just ridiculously OP. Yes, um, which is fun for everyone, uh, I'm sure. So yeah, Chaos has had certainly sort of soft access to Primarchs because they've they've been around for ten thousand years. Yes, um, but loyalists got back good old rowboat. Um, Rabute Gilliman. Rabute Gilliman is my favourite pronunciation of that name. Yeah, well, is there actually like a guide to uh, like on how to I say mean, it? I, I, what we should really have done is is got a Black Library audio book and listened to how the narrator of that yeah, says it. Yeah, that's a good. That would I think it's Raboot. 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 Well, given he, he's got such a Roman influence, I'm surprised he didn't go like Robotus Gilliman. Uh, <laughs> Robotus. Robotus. Robotus Gillimanus. Gillimanus, exactly. Um, but yeah, so Robot Gilliman, as, as many people call him. He, he has a lot of silly nicknames amongst the fandom. But no, he came back. He was brought back by technology magic bullshittery, which is fine. Uh, and has I love that. That's a great description. <laughs> Brought back by technology magic, yeah. Magic. Okay. Te- right. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I've been, yeah, I, I sort of struggle to get excited about Gilliman. I appreciate narratively why of all the Primarchs he's the one you bring back because what the Imperium really needs isn't a, a general, it's a statesman. Which kind of makes sense because it's so ballsed up. Yeah, so, so so really quickly, I, I guess we should stress that all the Primarchs have d- different a different character. Also. Sorry, they're, all, they're yes. all sort of facets of the Emperor. I think is yes. maybe the quickest way of saying it. So that, you know, you have people like um, Robot, who probably more strategists. Then you've got the real warriors like Angron was, and so on and so forth. Mm. So they they each bring something slightly different to the table. Yeah, and no, I agree no. with you that yes, narratively it makes a lot of sense to have brought him back, and also he's the Ultramarines, you know, Primarch. Yes, you're, you're bringing back, you're bringing back the Primarch for your best-selling faction and your poster boy. That's all fine. Yeah, so well done, GW, on on many fronts there, actually. Yes, absolutely. Um, the problem for me is a, I I just don't like Ultramarines aesthetic. I just don't, and b. I really don't like the model they released for him. Really, I think no, it's quite it's an so... impressive model. <sighs> it's it's overly ornate. I think might be the. But I think that's sort of the 
point. No, no, I get that. That's the point. I'm not. I'm not having a go at them for designing it badly. I'm just saying it's not for me. Maybe, maybe. No, I, I, I can see that the sort of gold filigree on every panel of the armor is perhaps a bit yeah, much. But also, yeah, I mean, it's much, and also try painting that. Yeah, I imagine painting it is a nightmare. But is it not also the most Imperium model ever? It's just like there's just so much gold everywhere. It's ridiculous. It yeah, it is a bit. I suppose it is a bit. Um, I I also don't really like that he's got the Empress Sword, but that's that again, seems weird to me. Uh, and I'm sure that whoever comes back next will maybe have a word to say about that. <laughs> Make a case for it. I think I should have that. Uh, and I also don't like the fact that it's one model for forty pounds. But that's just a. That's an argument. That's just James <laughs> Workshop. Uh, yes. So, shall we? I don't. I don't really know how to do this. Shall we say each say who we think is most likely to come back, or shall we go through all of the remaining loyalists? Maybe that's the way to do it. I think let's 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 frame. Yeah, let's provide a frame of reference. Just go through all the loyalist primarchs. So to be clear, we're talking about loyalists. Loyalists only. At some point, Fulgrim will come back. So we have, hang on, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine Loyalist Primarchs? Nine in total, yes, because there were 20 and two got expunged. Yeah, so it's a, an equal split of, of 18. Yes, and then nine went either way, yeah. Um, so the two obvious ones to not hope for are Ferris Manus and Sanguinius, because they are uh, hella dead. They're, very, they're both very dead, so Ferris Manus was beheaded. <laughs> Which is quite hard, even for a Primarch to get back from. And Sanguinius was killed by Horus, who's the sort of arch traitor uh, yep. at the very end of the uh, eponymous Horus heresy. Yes, it's so essentially unlikely candidates. <laughs> unlikely. I think we should come back to both of them because you could probably make a slight yes. case for either of them. But well, yes, and I'll throw a third one into the mix who's not a Primarch, but who. Is never a million miles away from being released, uh, which is the Emperor himself. Interesting. I'm going to throw Constantine Valdor into the mix as well. Does he not have a... No. No, he's he doesn't exist in 40k. It's Trajan Valoris who leads the Custodes. Oh, shit. Okay, so yeah, so we got Ferris Manus, Sanguinius, the Emperor, and um, Valdor. Yeah. As I unlikely actually... shouts, uh, also not, well... I actually think Valdor is quite likely. I don't think he'll be a Primarch release. He won't be that, but I think he's quite likely. We'll come back to that. Yeah, and as opposed I do feel Custodes have become increasingly popular, so that they might want to ride that wave a little and bit. That, that, and I was being grumpy, but the Henry Cavill effect, especially if this Amazon thing takes off. Yeah, but I, that's it. I think we, we can come back to that. Um, yeah, at the very end, I think. So then, then who are we, we going to talk about? So, well, we've, we've covered Robute, because mm -hmm. he's out. Um, so we have him. Then I, I guess we've got Rogel Dawn, Lehman Russ, Jagatai Khan, Lionel Johnson, Vulcan, and Corvus Corax. So who can we tick off quickly, then? I would say Rogel Dawn. Which Dawn might be is a... quite dead. He does seem to be quite dead. He's like His skeleton is encased in a block of... Amber. So, is it? I think so. I, I thought the Imperial Fists just recovered his 
hand? Well, the excerpt that I found from... Because uh, I think that's how that's the, the last you really see of them, right? That he charges head on and... And all they get back is... I, I thought that was the true at the end of the first Black Crusade. Yeah. I thought that was true. But then what I found on the wiki suggests that Dorne's skeletal corpse without the hands was also placed by the Imperial Fist within another chapel on the phalanx, embedded within a block of clear amber that has been contoured to match the body's form. Huh. Okay. I don't know that that is true. Yeah, so the issue is that he he sort of dies off-screen in that case. He does die off-screen. I think that might be the biggest argument in his favour for coming back. Yeah, and Imperial people love Rogel Dawn as a character, so... He's been characterised incredibly well during the Siege of Terror novels, so yeah. he's becoming a lot more popular. Then people also like Sanguinius, and he's definitively dead, so... Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, to me, anyway, I think Dawn seems unlikely at this point. I don't know about you. I think, I think he's unlikely. They've just done a, a load of Black Templar releases so i think if dorn were to come back i don't think you get rogel dorn the emperor's praetorian so dorn's big thing yeah. well, he had two big things really one was being a fortress builder and he's the one who fortifies earth at the during the horus heresy to hold off the armies of horus and chaos but he also after the siege essentially snaps and sort of leads the scouring and sort of burns the traitors from the from space so I think if, if he came back, it, you might get that side of him, the sort of crusader rather than the fortress builder. Yeah, I'm tempted to agree, and that, that would also just be really cool. It would also uh, be really cool. But, but I feel you need you need a story, as in you need a Primarch, I think, who, who sort of goes out and recovers Dawn, if that makes sense. I think that's right. I think, I think what you might get, you might get two in Tenny. You might get one early, and then they go and get Dorn back from Perturabo, say. And that's how you bring Perturabo back in. Yeah, the, the issue is I'm, I'm not sure who that would be. I, I feel somehow it wouldn't be Gilliman, because he's too busy doing... Gilliman is too busy trying to rebuild the entire Imperium to not be an awful fascist theocratic dictatorship. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a, that's a whole other... Which is a very, very long <laughs> task. Um, so I think he's quite unlikely, is Rogel Dorn. I think one is unlikely. The other one that I would think is unlikely is Corvus Corax, and that's purely from a popularity standpoint. I just don't think the Raven Guard are popular enough to bring Corax yeah. back. They just don't seem to sell very well, do they? Well, it, it, it's, a, it's a difficult one. It's sort of chicken and egg, isn't it? Because they don't sell very well, but they also don't sell many bespoke Raven Guard models. Yeah, well, they dropped a box quite recently, I think. Yeah, but it wasn't really Raven Guard. It was just yeah. like a load of not very popular Primaris stuff, plus um, the Shrike model. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Corax, I'm not particularly excited, so I, I don't really want him to come back either, but I, I feel he's un- unlikely. So and he's one of those who just disappears into the warp, right? He could. We've seen Corax in Black Library books more recently than I think any other Primarch. 
yeah. any other loyalist. I mean, but he's turned into some like weird unkindness of ravens swarm shadow monster thing. I, I think it's quite cool. cool. And, and, yeah, it would be cool. But anyone, yeah, it's not helpful. I think if you're if you're trying to sell just regular space marines, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think anyone who disappeared into the Eye of Terror or was last seen anywhere near the Eye of Terror is. It's not necessarily unlikely they'll come back, but I, I think they need to just figure out how they're going to do that. Well, they do, yeah. I, I think we'll probably have this conversation when we speak about Lehman Russ. So maybe he's the next person to go to, because I think he is fairly likely. From a popularity standpoint. Especially from a popularity standpoint and from a fact that there's, there's always bespoke Space Wolf models. Always. Yeah. Plus, he's, he's a real counterpoint to Gilliman's sort of controlled strategy, whereas Russ is just a I'm going to go and kill this thing now. Yeah. Oh, it, Russ takes his entire legion from Terra during the Siege of Terra, uh, or just before the Siege of Terra, and tries to kill Horus. Yeah. Which, and, and sort of everyone, including Dorne, is like, can you just stay here, please? Because you guys are... that That's a lot of space marines, plus you yourself. Could you stay yeah. here? That would be really helpful. And Russ is like, fuck no, I'm going to go and kill Horus. Yeah, well, it feeds and, into the whole thing that, that Russ is possibly the person who's killed off the two unnamed Primarchs. Yes, potentially. Uh, and to be fair to Russ, he gets very, very close. He gets closer than anyone does until the Emperor kills Horus. Uh, so, you know, might have been worth it. Yeah, you're being shown up by your own father, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, help! I, I took all my Marines to do this, and you just beam onto the ship and destroy him. You just obliterate him. No, I think um, the issue with Russ, exactly as you say, is he was last seen charging into the Eye of Terror, which is a wormhole yes. to a parallel dimension filled with chaos. For the and I have conflicting reports of that as well. And that, that one wiki suggested that he just left this feast that they were having and then was never seen again. <laughs> That's pretty cool. If he's just like hanging out in the fang, just getting yeah, really he, pissed. Yeah, because he just sort of, I think he hands over command to, um, uh, what's his name? Bjorn. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to say yeah because I don't actually know. <laughs> um, and I'm fairly sure. Him. I'm fairly sure Bjorn the Foulhanded is the la- is the first chapter master of the Space Marine, the Space Wolves after Russ goes. Sure. So, so I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so, so Russ again to me seems unlikely, partly because maybe there's some uh, misalignments in terms of his, his current law. Plus, anyone from the Eye of Terror, I, I just doesn't feel like they've done enough explanation or, or setting up. For that to really happen, no, I think I think that's I think we're both going to end up in the same place with who we think is coming back. The, but, the way we're going, possibly, because because I guess the next one would be the Khan. Now, I know he's not really in the warp in the Eye of Terror, but he's equally somewhere. He's in the Webway. Yeah. So the Khan would be great, though. The Khan would be great, and he, he's been Chris Wright, who's who wrote the. White Scars novels for the Horus Heresy and the Siege of Terror has completely recharacterized the White Scars and Jagatai Khan to be really cool. Like Jagatai Khan is so cool as a as just as a character. He exudes that sort of like does not give a fuck energy, which is pretty neat. 
Yeah, and I, I think what the Khan would offer you as well is, you know, the, the white scars, his his original legion is so built around, you know, Mongol hordes. So it's lots of fast bikes and yeah. land um, speeders and things like that. Like, it's a very different feel of an army, I think, compared to the Ultramarines. Which is yeah. So that, that would do quite well. Uh, we'll come on to this later, but I think the fact that he's in the webway fighting Dark Eldar means it's unlikely that they'll pivot to him based on the stories that they've released so far. doesn't feel like the stories that they're currently trying to tell. No. And both of us saying that kind of implies where we are going to end up. Yeah, so who do we need, who do we need to take off? Uh, so Vulcan, uh, Vulcan. The uh, complicated thing is Vulcan is just alive and living on a planet somewhere as a farmer. Well, yeah, because like, so head of the Salamanders, and the Salamanders do do that, right? They go back home and just chill with their families for a while. Yeah, and Vulcan, Vulcan is immortal. Vulcan is a perpetual. So he he's seeing what is going on in the Imperium and is like, nah, can't be bothered with that. So I don't see how you bring Vulcan back narratively. Yeah. Like, if... The, he uses assistant in the traitor camp uh conrad probably yeah, yeah. He's, he's dead right and conrad is very dead and i don't see conrad coming back because he didn't fall to chaos he just turned traitor yeah he's the only one for whom that's true but he he his whole shtick was turning against the emperor rather than to chaos so when he gets shot by mshen that's just that's just him dead. That's just him dead, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Except that the emperor has made it clear that he could probably bring back any of the primarchs, which is confusing. Yeah, but the emperor is also in a weird state. So. Yes. I mean, Vulcan. I mean, people love the Salamanders, and and I think do they, they are. Though? Eh, I don't think. Do. I don't know that that's true. Maybe I'm just. You and I are just hearing different things, but I don't get the sense that the salamanders are popular enough. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not, because they're not, you know, they're not in the big four, should we say. They're not the big four. I think that's that's the core point. So that almost pulls us back to who are the, the big four. Just, just to, to finish that off, I think when I say people like Vulcan, I think I've often seen people say like, if you had to pick a good guy legion, you would probably pick salamanders. Yes, the salamanders are the closest to not total just good guys. Death. Yeah, yeah, you know because they they go home and they actually care about humanity. Yeah, their 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 whole shtick is trying to preserve their own humanity so that they can better protect the rest of humanity. Yeah, which is then weird that Vulcan is a perpetual. That seems kind of at odds with that kind of ideology, but anyway, yeah. Um, it means so the yes. Vulcan gets to give his life for humanity over and over and over and over and over again, which is great. Uh, I hate that that's probably true as well. We're <laughs> <laughs> at it. <laughs> so, so who's left? I'm too angry to speak right now, so why don't you talk about the Big Four? So the Big Four, this is a sort of unofficial term for the four probably best-selling, although I'm not sure that's 100% provable. Uh, I, I, chapters the ones that have 
supplements and have had supplements for a long time? The ones that usually get supplements. So that is the Ultramarine. Space Wolves. Well, the Ultramarines are the last of the big four, I would say. So you get Space Wolves, the Dark Angels, who we haven't spoken about yet, and the Blood Angels, of so who are Sanguinius's. Yeah. Uh, chapter. And then you also, the, the fourth of those is the Ultramarines, who sometimes get a supplement and sometimes don't. Yeah. On the addition. But the reason that they don't always get a supplement is they are the archetypal everyone else chapter, essentially. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, if, if you're not, yeah, if you're not harking after the Blood Angels, the Dark Angels, and the Space Wolves, you're basically an Ultramarine, even if you wear a different color. Of sorts, yeah. I mean, they're the ones you see on all the the posters, exactly. Yeah, and they're the ones on all the posters, uh, and that's why their Primarch came back. So, and that's why their Primarch came back. Uh, yeah. So we, we we talked about Lehman Russ as a as a potential sort of leader of Space Wolves. Uh, he he might welcome back, although I think there are issues there. Blood Angel Sanguinius. Oh, very alarming. Come up every now and then. People saying Sanguinius is coming back. I've seen a lot of people chatting about ways that Sanguinius could come back. The favourite one at the moment seems to be some sort of horrible fusion of Dante, Mephiston, and uh, the Sanguinor, which is a sort of guardian spirit angel yeah. thing that you can take as a Blood Angels player. And, and I, I'll let you vent your frustrations at that. Because I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah, so why, why do you hate it? So Sanguinius, if we go back to the the talk about how each of the Primarchs embodies an aspect of the Emperor. Essentially, Sanguinius is, as I've always seen it, somewhere between the Emperor's hope and the Emperor's spirit. And it is almost fundamental to the setting that for the last 10,000 years, that aspect of the Emperor has been dead. It's not sleeping, it's not anything, any of these other things, it's not crusading the webway or hunting the Eye of Terror. It is dead. Horus killed it. And when Horus killed Sanguinius, he kills the future of the Imperium, which, alright, that might be because I'm a Blood Angels player and I think Sanguinius is the coolest, but you see so many times in the Black Library books the huge impact that Sanguinius's presence has on other Primarchs and on the uh, the general population even more that bringing him back breaks the 40k setting because 40k does not work with a true beacon of hope he's like Celestine but turned up to 10 million <laughs> wow okay that's that's a comparison I feel no one's made before I haven't really thought that comparison through <laughs> but no, do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree with you for once. Um, plus, it gives me great joy to deprive Blood Angels players of their Primarch. I, I, I think that what Blood Angels players need is a new Dante model. Like, I think that would do. Dante model is actually <laughs> getting ridiculous. I would, like, I would quite like a, a new Primaris Dante model, and I'd like him to have a nicer jump pack with like actual wings and stuff. I feel this is just a in-joke at Games Workshop at this point. I, I think I think it's actually a, a meta joke. So you know how Dante's whole shtick, so Dante is the leader of the Blood Angels at the moment, but his whole shtick is being like 1,200 years old and just wanting to die. 
So what yeah. Games Workshop are doing is with that they're poking fun at Blood Angels players who just want a new Dante model. And just like Dante can never die, we can never get a new Dante model. Exactly, and I, I really like there's a meta joke. And it's, it's just yeah, it's really, it, really it kind of, that is thing as well as you know he wants to die, so why should he try to cross the the Rubicon Primaris? So why should he try to wear different armor when hope maybe he's just hoping that his armor will eventually maybe fail. My armor is really shit, and I, but my, so my favorite thing is um, so Dante basically dies during the devastation of Baal, uh, and he has like a vision of Sanguinius. And Dante's like, oh, thank God, I can finally die. And Sanguinius is like, ah, 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 you don't get to die. You're going back. And Dante's just like, no, I'm so old and tired. It's really funny. <laughs> it's a little bit of an issue, right? Because it, it very much suggests that Sanguinius' spirit is somewhere. His, his spirit is somewhere. I think that's true. But I think that's probably true of all of the Primarchs except Horus. Because yeah, no, exactly. It sort of means the door isn't completely shut in terms of no, we could maximize through some warp fuckery thing. Because his body is also around. Yeah. He still has a body. His body lies beneath the Tower of Angels on Baal, or Baal, or however you pronounce it. So it's it's not it cannot be beyond the capabilities of Ivrain, who brought Gilliman back. To also bring back Sanguinius. And that there's w- someone in your background who disagrees with everything you've yeah, said. Yeah, she's really unhappy. I'm not quite sure what's going on. Um, I think we're okay. I mean, it's, it's right that she learns sooner rather than later how wrong you are about most things. So <laughs> this is all good. Uh, so I, I, I think you could I mean, do that, it. There's an outside chance, really, that instead of bringing back a Primark, you just say, listen, we're going to bring back a new Dante. And, and give him happy. a proper juice up. Yeah. And then kill him off in the literature like two, two months later. That would be really funny. Yeah. I think he's Primarch now. Oh, he's... <laughs> I actually think Dante should die crossing the Rubicon. I think that would be a really good way to show that. So there is a procedure that Space Marines can go through after Games Workshop release their new line of bigger, better, fancier, and most, most importantly, trademarkable Space Marines. Uh, which who are called the Primaris, which is top called crossing the Rubicon Primaris, and it's meant to be like only sixty or seventy percent of the procedures are successful, and every single named character who's gone through the procedure has survived it. Yeah, for really obvious reasons, uh, from a selling models perspective, and that's why Dante would survive it if he went through it as well. But yeah. I think. A really good way to kill Dante would be to put him through the Rubicon Primaris and to have Belisarius Cole go, oh, this was not designed for someone 1,200 years old. Well, I think um, Robert tells him that, right? He says, you're too important to do this. One one of the three senior Blood Angels has to go through it, and Dante's like, I'll do it. And and everyone is like, absolutely not. You're way too important. Mephiston can do it. And Mephiston's like, "Uh, excuse me? Very (laughs) And he did. And he survived it. So the one person we haven't talked about, um, and, I, and I suspect that's because we both think this is the likeliest. Yeah, who's, uh, who's the one who's just, just definitely coming back? Is all, I think the most recent chapter master to have crossed the Rubicon Primaris is, in fact, Azrael. Yeah, so so we're talking about Ferris Manus, right? Ferris Manus, yes. Because yeah. um, all he needs is his, is his head. He just needs his head sticking back on. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> 
that'd be quite funny. Well, you said that that's the obvious way to bring back Fulgrim, realistically. What, you, to redeem Fulgrim? No, as in, uh, yeah, Fulgrim. Yeah, oh, no, I see what you mean. To, to, get a, to get a Fulgrim model, you bring back Ferris. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah that's yeah, absolutely yeah. true. Uh, but you bring back Fulgrim as a good guy because he's he's seen the error of his ways and has revived Ferris Manus. And they get him out that painting. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's where Fulgrim is. <laughs> Uh, and then you're selling lots of iron hands, which everyone wants. And there, there's your issue with Ferris Manus. Not just that he's <laughs> been beheaded, although that is a small issue, but that no one... Apparently they're very good at the moment, iron hands. Apparently they're very good at the moment. But uh, Yeah, but it changes every two weeks. So. Yeah, the meta's constantly shifting. And I mean, no the, one, one play, the one professional player, who, like the one tournament player who plays iron hands, is just really good. Yeah. <laughs> No, obviously. Uh, do you want to do you want to take this one? It's not Ferris Manus. I, I, it's probably Lionel Johnson, isn't it? Yes. Um, the Primarch of the Dark Angels, one of the big four that we've that we've sort of crowned the big four. Um, yeah. So, Azrael, the the current chapter master of the Dark Angels, is has crossed the Rubicon Primaris, and they've released a new model for him. Uh, I think he's the only one at the moment, right, in terms of named characters that, that they've released in the Dark Angels who's done that. He um, is the only named Dark Angels Primaris, yes. Yeah, uh, well, I'm sure many will follow. Um, but of course, very recently, Games Works announced um, a new starter box set, Wrath of the Soulforge King, which pits the Dark Angels, including Azrael, against um, a Chaos force led by someone called Vashtor the Archiphane, which is just a fantastic name. The name is just Wrath of the Soulforge King. Yes. Wow. Led by Vashtor the Archiphane. Led by Ra- Vashtor the Archiphane. I mean, come on. <laughs> Master of the Forge. So that's so good. How yeah, does that I mean, get through a workshop? In- Sorry, go ahead. I'm just making fun of Games Workshop's inability to name anything. Oh, it's great! It's so good. Um, but as as I understand it, he's he's not um, he's not dedicated to any particular chaos god. No, he. Know more about the chaos gods. We have released a few episodes on them. So go listen. To we them. have, we have. Go back and listen to those. And we have, in fact, we should have sizzled this at the start. We've already. Um, released an episode on the Primarchs as well. So if you want to know more about them, go back to our Ranking the Primarchs episode, in which we argued for a long time about the Lion and Lehman Russ and Sanguinius. Absolutely. And I think I I made the point that I think the Lion is the first one to to come back. I think you did. Uh, I think I agreed with you. I should should point out, I'm a Dark Angels player. Yes, yes, you are. There's there's no... um, you know, wishful thinking or ulterior motives here whatsoever. No. This is pure data-driven analysis that I'm providing right now. Of course. Yes, absolutely. So Vashtor the Archiphane, as I understand it, is a unaligned or chaos undivided demon, greater demon, demon prince, one of those two. Minor deity, potentially, unclear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like, he's like Chaos machinery. He's like the chaotic equivalent of the Omnissiah, essentially. Yeah, and he's he's got links to like the Dark Age of technology and and yeah. stuff like that. And I mean, when I first saw the box, I, I actually thought he was a Necron. Um, he does look quite Necron. He does look a bit like a Cryptek or something like that. Yeah, 
he does a bit, yeah. Um, but it, 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 you know, it makes sense to pit him against a, a new Dark Angels box set because you know people do like Dark Angels. Uh, well, I said, I actually think maybe they're the most polarizing. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think um, they have they have some really interesting uh, background lore, right? The whole fallen stuff of they're one of the few legions that split right down the middle, essentially, on who to support. Yes. Yeah. I think that they might be the only one, actually, for whom that's true. But the, but there's a lot to unpack there still, because, yeah, yeah. so in a nutshell, the parts of the legion that the lion left at home, on the homeworld of Caliban, they they became traitor. And so when, when lion brought you know the rest of his legion back home, you know, they were fired upon and massive fight ensued. But with the exception of Luther, who sort of was was at one point Lionel Johnson's second in command and assumed command at Caliban. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure there's really anyone who notably fell to chaos in the way Luther did. I mean Luther, Luther became a, a a demon of sorts. Or at least was empowered by a demon. But the other yeah. fallen are sort of just traitorous. I don't think there's any Overt chaosiness going on necessarily. I think I think the problem is the most obvious fallen other than Luther is Cipher. He's yeah. the like other named character fallen, essentially. And he's so weird and so confusing. And he might be fallen, he might actually not be. Uh, he yeah, might be the so same many. cipher from 30k doing time travel fuckery. Like he could be an aspect of the Emperor. It's so unclear what Cypher is. Yeah, I mean what we know is that there was there was a position called the Lord Cypher in the yes. Dark Angels, and he was last seen fighting someone else whose name I forget. No one really knows how that battle ended. Yeah, someone could have just assumed the mantle. Yeah, of it could it could be anyone. I recently saw, which I, which I quite liked, actually, is that Cypher is just Alpharius. <laughs> I love that. This is quite funny. So <laughs> um, I'm all for that. My just, just Alpharius bullshitting around with one of his brother's legions again. <laughs> yeah. But what? So why is why is the lion the most likely to come back? So, so, so the lion, other than the fact that they're selling a Blood Angels starter box, Dark Angels, yes. <laughs> Sorry, Dark Angels. Uh, yeah, you with your Blood Angels in your mind. Okay, yeah, um, right. No, so, so there's the obvious, you know, they're starting to sell Dark Angels models a lot. Then there's the second bit, which is that the line is one of the few who's demonstrably just alive, but in stasis, very a la Gilliman. Is he even um, in stasis? I thought he was just having a kip. Well, yeah, I mean, he's asleep, but he's been asleep for 10,000 years. I'm going to call that stasis, if you don't mind. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Um, or just the world's worst hangover. I'm not sure. But his wounds are his wounds are meant to have healed and all of that, aren't they? It, he, he's been healed for some time, actually. Um, so he's on the rock, which is like the Dark Angels' home base now. It's just a big bit of Caliban. Um, <laughs> so he, he's sort of in the vaults there. No, no one really actually knows that he's there. Um, I think Azrael might be the only one. Perhaps some other really senior inner circle members, but. I can ne I can never remember because Luther is also there, isn't he? Well, see, this is the thing. There was a story that came out quite a while ago now, actually. That you know, Luther has escaped. <laughs> that would be bad. He's gone. L L so Luther is gone. He was woken up and he, he was broken out, which 
uh, was you know one of the first incursions on the rock that happened, and this new you know Vashtal Yarkafane storyline is about him attacking the rock. So you know they really need to up their defenses on the rock. Um, but that's the thing. So, so so they're releasing a box set, the the narrative of which is you know some chaos thing attacking the rock, and we know the lion is there. We know he's alive. We know his wounds have healed. Um, so yeah. I fully suspect Vashtal the Arcafane is going to. He's looking for something called the key, I think, and he's going to yeah. go into like the depths of the rock, knock on the wrong door, and be just absolutely cut in half by the line. I, I, uh, of course, it could go the other way, where he just draws in, kills Lionel. Johnson. Just absolutely bombs <laughs> <laughs> It's like I'm the line. Who are you? Oh, I'm dead. Okay. <laughs> so that's possible. Of course. That's that's true. I think. I mean, I, I I completely agree. I think narratively, the line is the easiest to bring back, especially if you're pushing a sort of there are incursions into the rock. Luther has escaped. Um. So we've got to wake up the lion because the lion's the only one who can take down Luther. That all makes sense to me. It also works from a slightly different perspective in terms of creating some interesting conflict within the Imperium. Yeah, so the lion was, or is rather, a bit of a different character to um, Gilliman, isn't he? Yes, he, he absolutely is. And there's a really interesting storyline during the Horus Heresy. It's a three or four book arc, I can't quite remember, which talks about Imperium Secundus, which is this idea that after uh, essentially the traitor Primarchs do some warp fuckery and manage to essentially block Terra from the rest of the galaxy so no one can get any messages in or out. So Gilliman goes, oh no, Terra might have fallen. Better set up my own Imperium. Yeah, which, which is a natural response, of course. Which, this, this is the thing, it actually makes perfect sense, because Ultramar is a pre-built empire of 500 systems with its own sort of logistics and, and defences and all of that. It makes perfect sense. But the lion turns up and basically goes, smells a bit like treason in here. <laughs> now, the lion is famously a forgiving kind of guy. He's a very, very uh, black and white chap, is the lion. <laughs> but he, he's, he's very interesting because he is entrusted by the emperor with weapons that no one else is trusted to wield. Yeah, and, and I was actually wondering this, again, from a sort of releasing new toys kind of perspective. Um Bringing back the Dark Angels in, the, in sort of their full force could be quite interesting. Yeah. Right, because there's all sorts of weapons that they could be like, you complain about how strong the Tower Railgun is, well, have this. Yeah. Watch, you, watch these complaints and vanish. Uh, no, I mean, you know, during the during the Horus Heresy and the Great Crusade, the Lion had, like, an army of men of iron and stuff like that that just no one else was allowed to even know existed. And that was always prefaced with, the lion is the most loyal. Him and Lehman Russ are essentially, and I, I think Sanguinius, although they're probably not Sanguinius actually, were like the two Primarchs who in every circumstance could be trusted. Sanguinius is an odd one, isn't he? Because yeah, he was such a close friend of Horus's. That... And he was the Primarch that the Chaos Gods wanted. Yeah. yeah the most. Corrin uh, in, in particular, but I think all of them Wanted him. Yeah, but Corn is just Wonder Man. He's he's like, oh, red armor. He must be. 
we must be friends. Sanguinis is also the most sort of martial of the Primarchs. So there might, might, might be something to do with that. But so, yeah, that, that's, that's just wrong. Um, <laughs> You're the one who put him at the top of your power list. Yeah, but power <laughs> does not equal martial prowess. Whatever. And also, uh, the Blood Angels people are bowed every now and then, you know. But what was. What was so, the Lion, Lion has fancy toys. He is the most sort of uh, locatable. He's the most locatable. And, and bringing him back reignites that Imperium Secundus conflict that was only yeah. really solved by Sanguinius turning up and both the Lion and Reboot agreeing that Sanguinius should be in charge. Yeah, that's that's how that whole conflict is resolved. They they crown Sanguinius emperor, which is quite funny. Yeah, um, especially with with the well, with the known galaxy sort of split in half by the Eye of Terror. Yes, exactly. Know what it's called now, but well, that's what you do, isn't it? You send the lion to the other half of the galaxy and go, "Can you go and fix that, please?" And then yeah. just sort of look away until he, exactly. until everything's fixed. Given that the lion and the Dark Angels have actually got a you know a gigantic quote unquote ship that they can just move, you know, the, um, uh, Rebuta can't move Ultramar. No, but, Whereas but the lion can just stick whole, his whole fortress mon- monastery wherever he likes. Exactly, which I'm sure has got some some little guns on there. Just, just a few. Um, he's such an... He's so irritating, though. Like, he's so holier than thou, smarter than thou. He's lion. Such, yeah. Oh, well, that's why I like about him so much is that he d- he doesn't really over-engineer a problem. He's like, fl- oh, these guys have gone bad. Let's just destroy their planet and move on. You know, his flagship is called the Invincible Reason. I know. What a twat. <laughs> um, I mean, they're not they're nothing if not quite literal. The Dark Angels. Yeah, they're pretty straight up and down, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, what uh, what should we call this massive piece of rock from our home planet? Uh, what about the rock? Okay. <laughs> so good. A throwback to the great film, of course. Um, so I think, yeah, we're both aligned that Lionel Johnson seems like the most obvious Primarch to come back um, to bring in the launch of 10th edition of 40k. Yeah. What um, would you like to see come back? Because for me, obviously, that, that lines up perfectly because I'd love to see the Lion come back because I collect Dark Angels. So, so I, I want to say the Khan, but. Yeah. There's no chance I'm ever collecting white scars because I'm not painting white. <sighs> yeah, as someone who's recently started trying that, uh, yeah, you're, you're right. I, I mean, <laughs> if they make, if they, if they release a Sanguinius model, I'll buy it. That's the thing. Under protest, of course. Under protest, maybe Doran actually. I reckon. I reckon. I'm, I'm coming round to the. Imperial fists and specifically the Black Templars. So maybe a Rogaldorn, like a proper crusading Rogaldorn, would be good. Um, yeah, I mean, we should point out that, that obviously there's a thirty k range where you can buy, I think, all of these models. You can buy all of the Primarchs, and some of the models are pretty cool. Not all. The line is pretty cool. I, I like the line's model's good. Uh, Sanguinius is obviously very nice. I don't like the Sanguinius model. It's too dynamic. They've tried to make it too clear that he can fly. And I don't like it. Mm. Like the, the lad's got wings. Just have him standing with his wings spread. Rather than you just copy paste the Celestine model, but but know, make it bigger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't understand. Like she she's high on my list of, of models to buy next because it is just a really nice model. I think. It is it is very pretty. 
Um, uh, yeah, okay. So I'm gonna... the, Khan, the Khan or um, Dawn. Narratively, the Khan, likelihood of buying and putting in an army that I might collect, Rogel Dawn, because I'm just not painting white scars, I'm not doing it. <laughs> the issue with Dawn is uh, if he comes back as a crusader and is already crusading. It's just a bit more of the same at the moment. The, the problem is, yeah, you bring back Doran the Crusader and all you do is you make it easy for Gilliman to go back to Terra and start ruling. And you don't want that. You want to keep that conflict. You essentially want Gilliman to, to go about his business being more or less chased by the lion to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, of course, there's a whole... Other option that we haven't considered even slightly. Which is the Emperor himself? Um, no, we did say we were going to come back to all of that stuff. Aren't we? <laughs> uh, there you go. That's another episode coming soon. Uh, well, no, it, 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 it could be completely non-Space Marine related or even non-human related. Will not happen. Bring back, um, I don't know, the fact that I can't actually think of a character that you can bring back for anyone else is... Is, well, it's uh, not about it's it's, it, it's not about bringing back. You could release a new Phoenix Lord model for the Eldar. You could exactly, or go nuts and just release Isha or something. Re- yeah, exactly. Free Isha from Nurgle's Garden and and release that. You could do. Is there a Swarm Lord model for the Tyranids? Yeah, the problem with the Tyranids is that because because you can't really have named. Doesn't work with the names, does it? But you can't really do that. I think you'd have to... Necrons, to me, would seem the most obvious, actually. But they've already got the Silent King. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, I guess you could release a, a Trazen or, yeah, a Gazgul. We could do a new Gaz model. But, I mean, as much as I'd, I'd kind of rate that, equally, you need you need them to have a an opponent. Um, this is the, 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 the starter box for 10E is going to be Space Marines and... Exactly. It, it just is. It, it can't be Orcs versus Necrons. No, it just wouldn't work. Would be. Because, because apart from anything else, Space Marines are completely synonymous with 40k in a way that nothing else is. Yeah, exactly. And they've they've got a they've got a that those boxes have to sell, and so you put space marines in them because I mean, and, and the way it works, only ninth edition is that you know you can collect say an Inquisition army or like you know, they space your thing around something imperial, but have it be made yeah. up of some space marines, some sisters of battle, and some guards. Like that's that is perfect. Soup. I'm saying that's, that's going to matches, but soup lists. That's what they were called in eighth edition. Yeah. I don't think they were called, they're called anything in ninth edition because no one runs them. Um, yeah, because it, it's so detrimental to do it. Because I, I was considering yeah. um, adding some grey knights, of, uh, for example, to uh, my sister's list. But all all the the special rules that makes your army as good as it is don't apply to the <laughs> detachment you bring along. So what's the point, right? Yeah, that's that's the thing. You completely lose all your benefits and don't get the benefits of bringing them. Yeah, but it's something they could feasibly change. And, and the point still stands is that you could you could collect Imperium. And have many options, or you can yeah. orcs, which is one list, right? Which is which is how the Inquisition used to work. Yes, back before there were all these special army-specific rules. Such an annoying tied thing. to keywords. Yeah, you could exactly. collect. I'm playing Inquisition, I'm bringing a little bit of everything. Yeah, I'm I'm bringing a, an Inquisitor Lord, uh, three Space Marine squads, two Stormtrooper squads, and a Demon Host. Yeah, 
That's my army. But unfortunately, I think the only other faction that that kind of might work for is the Eldar, because because you can have. I mean, you can even have lists that combine Dark Eldar, Eldar, and Harlequins together. Um, yes. So so that's your next most likely bet, I think. Unless you do some sort of Tyranid gene stealer cult thing. Yeah, you could do that. But I mean, Necrons, no. Tau, no. Well, Tau, you say that they could actually just give the Tau some genuine love and release different Tau species. They could. They could. Yeah. You could get a lot more auxiliaries, that's true. Yeah. Is but that, none, none of this is it, none of this is going to happen. They're they're no, going, it's going to, to be. It's a going to be. I, I the best most credible rumors I've seen for the starter box are Blood Angels, Tyranids, um, with a big Dark Angels release straight after, including the Lion. Because you yeah, my suspicion is it, it's probably the other way round. That's the other way round. Is you do. Dark Angels and something, maybe Chaos, if they're going to keep up this Vashtor thing, with the Lion as a separate buy, and then you do a big Blood Angels release soon after. Because Blood Angels are missing a load of core units that just haven't been released yet for since the Primaris upgrade. Yeah, and I think Tyranids are fairly popular as a list, and you know, people love random spaces. Tyranids are fairly popular as a list. <laughs> But uh, people do like them. It's a cool army. I, I mean, I used to collect Tyranids. Sure. Bucks are fun. Exactly. Oh, the, you can you can just absolutely cover the table in like hundreds of six-legged bug models, which is fun, even though you're never going to win anything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, and the, the the other issue with the Tyranids is that you need to paint like a billion termagants. Yeah, but... that's the issue. <laughs> They're not the easiest <laughs> model. That's why Custodes are so popular, because you have to paint six models and then you've got an army. You just slap some gold on them and you're done. <laughs> it's great. Um, so no, I, I, I think yes, the line. I'd be looking forward to the line coming out um, so I can buy him and never paint him. Yeah. Um, so do we, do we think we'll get another Chaos Primark in 9th edition, in 10th edition? That's the thing. I know we've been going for a while. Yeah, the Lion's main opponent was the Night Haunter, really, wasn't he? So... Yeah. He's kind of dead. Kind of dead. Luther, I suspect you'll get a Luther model. I think you'll get a Luther model, and I think they'll expand on the Fallen, which could be quite fun, because the way I see them maybe doing the Fallen is, a bit like we discussed, is that they're not necessarily Chaos, but they're not necessarily Imperial, so maybe so, there's a Space Marine list that anyone can do with what they want. I, I suspect that they'll be Chaos aligned, but they won't be uh, any of the named gods nor will they be... I, I think uh, the keywords won't include Chaos or Imperium. I think they'll just be... Fallen. Yeah, they'll just be... Here's some so space I, I think... paint them however you like and just deploy them however you see fit. You want to add like a Chaos thing to them? Sure, do I, it. I think that they will be Chaos, but they won't be undivided. I think they'll be Chaos, comma, Fallen rather than Chaos, comma, Undivided. I think so, yeah. I think that's how you'll do them. But even that, they, they, they could still play them off as... Loyalists somehow just unaligned. I think I think oh the the fallen were actually loyalists all around is just going to feel like a rug pull. Maybe, but I think from a let's get more people engaged with this. As if we release a line of models that you can turn into loyalists or turn into chaos. Maybe, maybe decide you drop them into either list. Yeah, 
No. Could, could work. I don't know. The Fallen are a gigantic mystery still, so... You almost just want to leave them that way. Maybe yeah, maybe you answer what's going on with Luther's warband, say, and they're yeah. chaos, but not all Fallen are chaos. Like, Cypher actually isn't chaos. Cypher's always been a loyalist, say. Yeah, I mean, because ultimately I think the Fallen, yeah, you could argue they just didn't agree with the Emperor, which, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair. I think I think we've answered it though. I think that was our Lionel Johnson. You Lionel heard Johnson. First. You heard? He probably totally did. novel take on the situation. Of course, I'm sure no one else has suggested that Lion might come back soon. Um, I think it's, I think that's right. I think it's the Lion, and I think that's fine. I think he makes the most sense. It'll be a cool model. It'll cost like fifty quid. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it'll look cool, and you'll be able to run him in any Imperium list. Yeah, yeah. Watch it like, be Corvus or Ferris Manus, though. Unlikely to be Corvus or Ferris, but you never know. Just both of them at once. One versus <laughs> it's just one model. It's just it's just Cor it's just Corax, but he's carrying Ferris Manus's head around. <laughs> oh, that's so God of War, and I hate it. In a bag. <laughs> uh, no, no, we have to end here. We have to yeah. short. Um, so, should we said, oh my goodness, that's not English. Um, Have a run at it again, mate. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of Expertise is Overrated. No doubt we've said some things that were either objectively wrong or downright offensive. As ever, feel free to let us know, rate the podcast, and leave us a comment, or drop us an email at expertiseisoverrated at gmail.com. Tweet us at Zero Expertise. Check out our website, expertiseoverrated.podbean.com, or come join us on our Discord server. If you're lucky, we might just argue with you on one of our upcoming episodes. And if you're really lucky, we might call you an idiot. Come back next time for some more absolute nonsense. <laughs> <laughs>